0: today's reading is from john chapter 14 verses 15 to 27 and you'll find them in your pew bible on page 1082 so that's john chapter 14 verses 15 to 27 if you love me you will obey what i command and i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. Do keep that open in front of you, if you would. We come to uh, the end today of uh, a little series we've had uh, looking at uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, a figure who um, pops up through the Old Testament and then becomes a real focus of writing and teaching and experience in the New Testament. And we've been beginning, I mean, I feel like we've hardly begun to scratch the surface of the surface of what the Bible says about the third person of the Trinity, God who is known to us by his Holy Spirit. Well, I thought we'd land it today in perhaps one of the uh, richest passages that there is um, about the Holy Spirit here in John 14. And uh, it's a passage that's been on my mind a little bit, um, looking at it from a slightly sideways uh, perspective, um, because uh, this comes at the end of three years of um, intense day-by-day relationship uh, between Jesus and uh, his friends the disciples and uh, this is Jesus preparing his friends the disciples for his departure he's about to go to leave them and uh, he's getting them ready and what we hear in John 14 is him promising them the gift of his Holy Spirit I had the great joy this morning um, of uh, being round at church very early. Um, I gave John a bit of a shock, because usually I'm, as many of you will know, I'm usually sort of screeching around the corner on, on one one foot to try and get here in time for prayers at half nine. Um, but I was around here ridiculously early this morning so that I could meet up with a very old friend of mine. Now, um, Nigel uh, and I have known each other now for not far off 30 years. Uh, we met on the very first day that we both arrived at university. We were in the same college together, same university together, different courses, but we clicked And for three years, Nigel was by far my best buddy, probably for longer than that. And uh, Nigel is a a northern Irisher by birth, temperament, DNA, um, uh, in all possible ways. And he spent those first three years that we knew one another, we, we spent a lot of time together, we ended up sharing a house together, all sorts of things. His mission... Uh, and if you're listening into this later, Nigel, thank you for this. Um, his mission over three years was to um, take at least one Englishman, me, and to teach him the ways of Northern Ireland, at least from his perspective. So he wanted to teach me everything that he could possibly teach me about Northern Irish culture, Northern Irish religion, Northern Irish accents. I mean, he's a brilliant mimic. He can give, on a map of Northern Ireland, he can take you on a tour. Around it with the different accents for the different bits. Um, I, I, it, tremendous. Now that was really interesting. It did particularly help where in my fourth year, and he'd stayed on to do her fourth year, um, I met Catherine, who is, as many of you will know, from Northern Ireland. Um, and um, I don't think that was Nigel's plan to prepare me for a Northern Irish wife, um, but I, I suspect it's helped just a little bit, and in particular, meeting catherine's parents for the first time i did at least understand every word they said which was a good start um, in, in our relationship so i felt like i learned a huge amount from nigel and i was reminded i haven't seen nigel for 10 years because he lives a very 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 long way away now um but i was reminded just sitting chatting with him before church just how much i learned from him about northern ireland but also about politics and about different religious experiences we came from very different sort of backgrounds um, but also just totally different perspective on life. You know when you've got a really good mate at a very sort of formative point in life? It might have been in your teenage years, or maybe if you went to college or university or in your first job. That person who gives you sort of a perspective pulls the curtain back and gives you just a whole different angle on the world. Um, I learnt a lot from him. I probably picked up some habits from him. I didn't pick up his habit of uh, uh, drinking a carton of single cream as his dessert after... Um, eating a a meal. Uh, His culinary um, efforts were not quite mine, but I learned a huge amount from him. And actually, it was one of the hardest things when I finished university. And uh, I moved up to Birmingham. He stayed on where we were there. He's been all over the world. And as I say, he, uh, he lives a very long way away now. It's actually a really hard thing to say goodbye to a friendship like that. And we're blokes, so we pretty much don't speak for 10 years. Um, we've just agreed today we're going to try and get talking on WhatsApp a little bit. But, I, I, you know, as I say, we're blokes, so I don't know how long that will last. But actually, I really miss him. Uh, and it's really struck me reading this passage today, just on a purely human level. And I'm not equating my friend Nigel with Jesus, so just be very careful how we do this. But on the level of friendship, on the level of who you've been impacted by, on the level of getting used to somebody just being around all the time, you begin to get just a little flavour of what it must have felt like for those disciples who'd been with Jesus for three years. Not just three years of university terms, but three years, day and night. Their whole lives had been turned upside down. They had felt that they were hearing God speak through him. They just weren't, they weren't just learning the ways of a particular part of the United Kingdom. They were learning the ways of God. They were learning who God was. They were learning what God said. They were seeing in the words and the actions of Jesus how God acted. And then Jesus was saying, I'm going. It's really important to hear and to feel the impact of that on these disciples. And yet, Jesus says to them, do you know what? It's a good thing. I'm going. Because I'm not going to leave you like you're orphaned. I'm not going to leave you on your own. I am going to come to you in a new way. A way that is not limited by being just, if you like, stood up in a, a body with feet and legs and hands that can be in one place at one time, talking to one group of people at one time. I'm going to come to you by my spirit so I can be with you where you are, whenever you are, however you are, whoever you are. I'm going to come and be with you. Verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. Now, some of you have heard me say that this little word counsellor that we get translated into English here, which was originally written by John as he wrote his gospel uh, in the the language of the day of Greek, um, is really hard to translate. Um, Those of you who speak other languages other than the one will know that there, there, is, there are no two languages where there's an exact matching up between the vocab on this side and the vocab on this side. And this little language, this little word that we get translated, counsellor here, which in other translators' translations can be uh, named all sorts of things, the closest we can come to a sort of literal bit-for-bit bit translation is, I'm going to send you another called alongside one. A called alongside one. Begin to get a little bit of the picture of that. Here's Jesus who has been called alongside by God his Heavenly Father, these 12 disciples and the wider crowd for three years. And he says, when I go, you don't need to worry because I am going to send my Holy Spirit who is going to be another. The word literally means another like me, another called alongside one. And the remarkable thing is that you will know him. Second half of verse 17. But you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you, says Jesus, by my called alongside you, Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is going to make me known. Verse 23. My Father will love him. This is you if you love God back. And we will come to him and make our home with him. It's worth just sitting with that image for a moment. Jesus, who has lived alongside his friends, the disciples, for three years, day and night, is promising that his Holy Spirit, as his Holy Spirit comes and fills the life of his people is tantamount to God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all in this verse, coming and moving in and making your life, my life, their life, his home. It's an astonishing moment in Scripture. Here is the God of heaven and earth. Here is the one who made all things. Here is the one who created you from the beginning, saying to you, By my Holy Spirit, I want to come and make my home in you. Not, this is important here, not simply every now and again, I'll tap you on the shoulder and remind you that I love you. Nor, I'm going to send you a book, and that book's going to remind you that I love you. Nor... Every now and again, when you really need me, I'm going to answer a prayer and make everything all right. Nor every now and again, I'm going to zap you with some power, and you can pray for something, somebody, and they're going to get healed. No, 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 no. He, what he says is, I'm going to come and make my home in you. Home is so important. Uh, my, my son's a long way away for me as a daddy at the moment. He's he's off in Italy with some friends post A level, and you know I, that takes a bit of getting used to as dad. Because actually his home's here at the moment. I'm happy to get used to that fact that it won't be forever. But you know that sort of point if you, again, not all of us will have you know, felt good about the home in which we grew up, but if we were lucky enough to have a home that we loved being in, if that was our experience, then we will remember the wrench it is to leave. God looks at you and at your life and astonishingly enough, staggeringly enough, says to you, you are my home. You're my home. It's what we've been praying over Orla today. What we've been praying over her is, God has given everything for you in Jesus. God loves you. God, by his Holy Spirit, is making his home in you. So will you open the door as you grow up more and more of your life and let him in? God, by his Holy Spirit, makes his home in us. And that's why verse 27, where our reading finished, makes sense. Peace I leave with you, says Jesus. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, peace in the Bible isn't just an absence of war or an absence of stress or an absence of anxiety. Peace in the Bible is that the Hebrew shalom word, it means Put together rightness. It means wholeness. It means body and soul and spirit knit together as they're meant to be. It means being right in ourselves, which means being right with our creator. That's where peace comes from. That's where shalom comes from. That's what we're praying for, Allah. We can't promise to her or to anybody an easy life, a perfect life, a straightforward life. But we can promise her a life of shalom, a life of peace, a life where God by his Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in her. So if God by his Spirit comes and lives in me, what happens? Well, there are two little themes just to pull out of these verses that will help us. The first is that if God, by his Holy Spirit, makes his home in us, the first thing he helps me to do is to become more and more like Jesus. Now, I'd never learned to speak with the same accent my friend Nigel speaks. He speaks in my ears very fast and in a very broad Temple Patrick Belfast accent, although actually having chatted to him today, it's just mellowing a little bit. But there are all sorts of things that did rub off on me. And actually, as Jesus' friends were with Jesus, they more and more were attracted to living this amazing life. He was living in front of them. He was living this perfect life. None of them could live for themselves. He was God come to be with us, but fully human too. And actually, Jesus' disciples, as Jesus was going, we're going, well, hang on. Jesus, if you're going back to be with God, how are we going to know how to live? How are we going to find the strength to be the people that we should be? How are we going to? We we haven't got you with us anymore to emulate, to walk with, to live with. And Jesus makes these beautiful promises. Verse fifteen: If you love me, you will obey what I command. We hear it as a a sort of an aggressive thing. If you really loved me, you would obey my command. No, no, no. The way it's written means here's a promise: If you're in relationship with me, if you love me, then you will be in more and more living as I do. You'll obeying what I command. Down in verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one that loves me. In other words, you'll be able to tell the symptom, if you like, of being in a love relationship with God is that our lives will begin to be transformed into his. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. God helps us by his Holy Spirit to live out that love, to be more like Jesus. And again, that's what we're praying for all of us. It's not just about her learning a whole list of do's and don'ts, obeying the Ten Commandments, being a good girl. Most of all, it's about her knowing that she is loved with an unbreakable, unshakable, unchangeable love by the God that's met her in Jesus. And as she loves God back, she will find that her life is transformed and becomes more and more like him. That's the work of God's Spirit. But it's also the work of God's Spirit that as well as uh, as learning to live like him, we will learn to listen to him. You know, I just, uh, it's all very well me agreeing to um, WhatsApp with Nigel, but you know, there's nothing like face-to-face chat, is there? We, we had about three quarters of an hour before the service, just sitting in the team room. And it was just lovely, just face-to-face, just a chat. We had just enough time for him to catch me up on his family's life, me to catch him up on my family's life, Um, pray for each other, give give each other a big hug and go. That was it. But it was so good just to talk. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have the privilege by God's Holy Spirit of conversation with God. Now, I don't mean voices in your head stuff. I don't mean God writing on the the ceiling in, in flaming letters of gold. I do mean day by day, moment by moment, minute by minute, relationship with God. And what you find throughout Scripture is that as people are in a relationship with him, he loves to speak. Verse 17. The the Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. The one who speaks truth from God. Verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. God, by his Spirit, loves to speak to us. He speaks to us through the pages of Scripture, as we read them, as we memorize them, as we learn them. He speaks to, the, speaks to us through friends, through family, through God's people. He speaks to us as well through those gut intuitions, through those senses that we have of, I just wonder whether, or, or a, a word or a phrase or a piece of Scripture that comes back to our minds. And what you find is as you walk with Jesus more and more, As you learn to listen to him, as you learn to step out with him, you find that you get better and better at recognising his voice. It's not weird. It never feels particularly an ecstatic religious experience. It's just very normal. It's what actually those who maybe aren't followers of Jesus would think of at times as those gut intuitions. But not in a sort of blank, hazy space, but in relationship with Jesus. I'm sorry that I've told this story before, but in my life it's the most remarkable and obvious but down-to-earth story I can tell of people hearing God and of the impact it had. So I'm sorry if you've heard this before, but it's still true, and it's still hugely impactful on my life. Uh, I was unemployed for a year before coming here, and it was a year of some, uh, some lovely things to it, but it was a very, very tough year. So far, the, the, the worst and the toughest year of my life. And um, about halfway through it, I was pretty convinced that I'd completely messed up pretty convinced that you know i I, I knew god hadn't abandoned me but i was pretty convinced that i must have abandoned god at some point along the way made a massive left turn turned down a couple of things should have just gone for them been a vicar somewhere else i mean all of that and um i just at a gut level felt we hadn't seen the right place and we wanted to go somewhere that we could really belong as a family and put down our roots and make friendships and and be for a good long time well i've been here 14 years now so i guess that worked out but at the time i didn't know any of that and about six months into what turned out to be a year, um, and I was at a huge, very, very dark place, really. and I'd just been turned down for something I should never even bothered applying for, you know how it is when you're desperate. And um, out of the blue, I got two phone calls. And um, one of them was from somebody that I, a very, very best buddy of mine um, who lives uh, in Europe overseas. Um, who didn't know our particular situation in terms of why that day was significant? Didn't know I'd applied for something, didn't know that an hour before I'd just had the phone call to say not even shortlisted, but did know roughly where we were at. And he just ran me up and said, My wife and I were just thinking of you and really felt that oh, I should ring you up and say, You're doing the right thing, hang in there. And about, I don't know how much later, maybe an hour later, two hours later, um, Uh, an acquaintance of mine, not even somebody I know very well, somebody I'm privileged to call a friend, but not a good buddy. I never see him, really, uh, who lives in Helsinki, who didn't even know I was unemployed, knew nothing of our situation, but still had my phone number from years back. Out of the blue rang up, and she said, my wife and I were praying, and we just had this sort of gut sense. He reminded us of you. And he said, I just wanted to ring up. And he said, this might be completely nuts. It might not mean anything. In which case, just walk away. It's fine. It's, you know. Now, you hear all this. It's really normal conversation stuff, OK? He wasn't going, I've heard the Lord. You know, I mean, this is, so this is really normal. Just go, and he just said, Richard, um, God has the right place for you. You're doing the right thing. Isn't that an amazing moment? Beautiful moment of grace. Now, actually, God didn't need to do that. There was nothing I could do anyway. I didn't have a job. I mean, I wasn't like I was about to do something and God said, no, do this. We were stuck. But in that moment of grace and of beauty, because two people just went with that sense of, I'm in relationship with God, therefore, of course, we're going to have a conversation. Of course, there are times when God's going to give me a nudge and I'm going to follow it up. And I'm going to do so in a non-weird way, in a non-heavy way. I'm not going to be calling down curses over here and blessings over there and telling them they're going to be prime minister and then they're going to have eight children. It, this is about going with the God who loves us, going with the God of grace and who who speaks. And that taught me a huge lesson that at times I forget and at times I get better at of listening to God day by day, of trusting him, that he'll look after me, by which I mean that when I step out in faith, that when I act on what I think he's telling me, in humility, he'll speak through me. And I've had umpteen times since then, but most of them are too personal to say from the front because they're mostly one-to-one moments of sitting with somebody in a pastoral situation or even sometimes standing up to preach and thinking, I think I'll just say this. Uh, and somebody comes up to me afterwards and says, that's what I needed. Well, I haven't a clue. That's a God thing. So what we're praying for, Allah, and what we're praying for ourselves is not a thing and it's not a way of life And it's not being good. And it's not getting religion. It's relationship. It's friendship. It's God by his spirit making his home in us. And if God makes his home in you, then he's going to want to speak to you. But he's going to speak to you because you're speaking to him. Because you're spending time with him. And if you're not spending time with him, you won't hear him. I haven't heard Nigel speak to me in ten years. Why? Because we haven't been in the same room. It's very obvious. Weeks go by, and if I'm not in the same room as God, if I'm not just giving him some space and time, I'm not gonna hear him. Let's pause for a moment. I think I've said plenty. Um, John's gonna come up and lead us in a a song or two of response, and the kids are gonna come and join us, but just in a moment of, of stillness before all of that kerfuffle happens, let's just be still before God. There may be some people here who have never literally just opened that little door of their lives and said to God, do you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm not even absolutely sure you're there, but i sure, I am sure, that I don't want to live this life on my own. So if that's you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never invited him just to come and make his home in you by his spirit, I mean, you've got nothing to lose, have you? Simply saying to him, Jesus, by your spirit, come and make your home in me. I'm sorry that I'm not the person you made me to be. Thank you that you forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to know you and to love you back. Now, a good time to do it. But if you're somebody who's done that years ago, well, every day you and I need to keep on nudging that door open. We shove him out. We nudge him out of different parts of our lives. Let's allow God by his Spirit to fill us afresh, to go on speaking to us, and to give us confident faith to follow where he leads. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your people. Kindle in us the fire of your love.